Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to the Morning Woods. I'm Miles Tridel, writer, producer, and narrator of this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. I moved into a new house a few weeks ago. I bought the place because I've been looking for somewhere with some character and scenery to inspire my next novel, and this house definitely fits the bill. It was built in the late 60s and looks about the same as it did then. The major appliances have been updated, of course, but I enjoy the trip into the past as I cross the threshold onto the shag carpet. The house's location is what really drew me to it, though. In lieu of a backyard, it has a steep slope that drops into the expanse of woods behind the property. Come spring, the woods will be full of life and activity I can watch from the rear deck. I thought being surrounded by nature would be a welcome change from the bustling city I was so used to. Speaking of the deck, I should tell you why I'm writing this instead of the next chapter of my book. The last guy who lived here, the original owner I'm told, installed a spotlight on the guardrail. It's the big kind they use in theater productions. There's also a small groove either worn or carved into the wood next to the spotlight. I thought maybe he had leaned on the rail so many times he'd wore it down, but unless he had freakishly small arms, that couldn't be the case. My house is the only one on the north side of the block. All the others are across the street from me. When I didn't receive any welcoming notes or knocks on the door from my new neighbors, I decided to introduce myself by going door to door. The first two didn't answer, but I knew for a fact that one of them had been inside when I rang the doorbell. A kind but nervous old woman answered the third door by opening it a crack and quickly getting to the, well, nice to meet you, that subsequently ended the conversation. The fourth neighbor I met lives in the house directly across from mine. That guy, Herb, was the first who willingly talked to me, although I wouldn't quite call him friendly. Herb was also quite elderly, but he seemed strong. He came out onto the porch rather than invite me in. I guess I should have baked some cookies or something, I joked when I told him about the results of my previous neighborly visits. They probably wouldn't have taken them anyway, was his reply. I tried to find out why, but he seemed to regret making the statement and avoided any further discussion on that point. Herb told me the guy who owned my house lived there until he died. I knew this. My realtor was legally required to tell me, but I didn't know the details. Herb said the guy was found slumped over his shotgun on the back porch. No one knew why he had the gun out, and that made my neighborhood a little wary until it was determined he died of natural causes. He was just old, Herb said with a defeated sigh. Maybe he was considering his own age in that moment. I took the opportunity to ask about the spotlight. The smirk I received in response was the most expression Herb demonstrated in the entire conversation. He believed there was some kind of boogeyman or Bigfoot character out in those woods. He punctuated the statement with a gesture toward my house. He invited me over a few times to sit on the deck with him and watch the trees, but the most we ever saw was a fat raccoon. 
think that's why he had the shotgun out when he died? I asked, presuming I couldn't possibly be the first to put that together. Herb just shrugged. Our conversation ended shortly after. It was getting dark at that point, so I decided to meet the rest of the neighborhood another day. The conversation got me curious, so that night I went out on the deck with a cup of tea and a lawn chair and turned on the spotlight. The switch made a metallic thunk as a yellow beam pierced through the trees down the hill. I leaned over the rail and sipped my tea, never actually considering what I would do if I saw something out of the ordinary. I swirled my mug before taking the last sip. When I brought the mug down away from my face, something moved between the trees below. I leaned forward a little more and squinted as I strained to make out what I'd seen. There was a rustle of leaves that sounded like it came from just outside the halo of light. I held my breath and turned the spotlight slightly to the left. I saw it only for a moment before it vanished between trees again. It was the black, misty shape of a human, but it didn't move like a person. It was too fast and moving too fluidly. It was like it was floating. I thought about calling out and wished I had a shotgun to rest in that little groove as my predecessor did. I slowly rotated the spotlight back and forth a few times, but I didn't see the thing again. That night I heard a rapping at my door. Not the front door, but the back. The one that led out to the deck. It wasn't a knock. No. It sounded more like fingernails or claws tapping rhythmically, almost daring me to open the door. Once again, wishing I had a means of protection, I stood near the door and asked who was there. No one replied, and the tapping stopped. I searched the deck and around the house the next morning, but there was no sign anyone had come near the house. I spent a few more nights out on the deck behind the spotlight, without seeing anything. Sometimes I would hear the wood creaking on the deck after I came inside, though. One night, on a rare occasion I'd managed to actually fall asleep, I was woken up by a blinding light coming through my bedroom window. I ran into the kitchen and grabbed the biggest knife I had before peering out the window onto the deck. The spotlight had been turned towards my bedroom window and somehow been turned on. Fighting every urge to leave, I gripped the knife and went onto the deck. As usual, there was no sign anyone had been there, besides the glowing spotlight. I went to a sporting goods store as soon as they opened the next day. I purchased a 12-gauge and a box of shells and returned home feeling much better. I hoped the sense of security would at least allow me to get some sleep. That night, I set up my chair on the deck and rested my new gun in the groove provided by my predecessor. With a trembling hand, I turned on the spotlight. The beam shot down the hill and landed directly on the shadow figure at the bottom. This time, it didn't move out of the way. My head was suddenly split by an animalistic shriek that seemed to come from everywhere at once. I put my hands over my ears and winced as the sound crippled me. I doubled over, feeling as though I might be sick. I was forced to stand up again when I heard the distinctive whoosh of something flying towards me. I looked up just in time to see a large rock smash into the spotlight. It shattered instantly, and the woods were blanketed in pure darkness. Blind and panicked, I unloaded the shotgun into the trees. I heard wood split and leaves fly, and the horrible screams ceased. Having expended every shot, I grabbed the gun and ran back into the house. I sat in my dark living room clutching the gun. The barrel almost burned my face. Did I hit it? Could it be hit? I hoped my aggression had at least scared the ghostly creature away, but it didn't. 
As I sat panting on the floor, I heard the tapping on the back door. It started out like the first time, but got quicker. The light taps were soon replaced by quick little knocks. The knocks then evolved into pounds. Soon the hinges were rattling as the force on the other side pounded the door again and again. I ran out the front door, grabbing my keys off the hook, and went straight to my car. My headlights caught motion as something dark moved through the yard. I backed out of the driveway without taking my eyes off the house. I go back to the house occasionally, but only during the day, and always armed. I want to sell it, but I can't bring myself to put someone else through what I've gone through. And I doubt now the original owner died of natural causes. I have no doubt if I stayed there, they would have found me slumped over my gun too, murdered by the pure evil that lurks between the trees. If you'd like more from The Warning Woods, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Patrons get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, exclusive downloads, and more. Do you think the music from this episode would fit a project you're working on? Patrons can download the music from each episode, license-free, for personal or professional use. Visit patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Thank you. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.